Hello and welcome to the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the markets and helps you make smart choices with your investments. These are entirely our own views and that of our guests. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB that will be happy to chat if you need. Okay, and welcome to the ASB Investment Podcast. There's been a lot of action, activity, um, volatility, certainly across June and July, I think since we've recorded prior podcasts. Um, that volatility is affecting markets of you know, all shapes and sizes. Uh, it just seems to be a little bit never-ending. It continues to influence portfolios, asset prices, even the media are talking more and more about it. And public sentiment is now, I think, getting influenced more and more about it. You can see that in consumer confidence surveys. Uh, you name it, it's likely being influenced by markets now. So the idea for this podcast is to bring together the Brains Trust to give you a bit of an update um, like we normally do, but with a particular focus on what's been happening over the past couple of months. So June, July, um, we're almost at the end of July, but with also a special focus on fixed income assets and portfolios. So with that, we've assembled a wonderful team today. We've got Kristen Brown, who you know well, and from First Centia, we've also got John Barrasso and Stephen Cooper as well, who are dialing in from Australia to help us out to understand what's going on. But CTB, we'll start with you. What's been going on? I hear you're a bit under the weather. And yeah. have you been in the air recently? <laughs> hey, thanks, Nigel. And uh, it's great to dial in. And I'd, and I'd have to say, if, if I described myself at the moment with one word, it would be cold. Um, if I could have a few more words, it perhaps would be the usual winter blues. But I've been sticking things up my nose and rat testing every day. And I and I, I feel a bit left out. I haven't managed to get COVID, uh, but I do seem to have a, a decent dose of the man flu. So hopefully I can uh, sound energetic through the next hour or, or, or so, because jeepers, there's a lot going on, as you've mentioned, particularly in fixed interest markets. So I'm, I'm really glad we've got the guys here to, uh, to talk about what's happening in that space. It seems to be really driving things at the moment. And Stephen, I'm sure, is it your guys' first time on the podcast? It is our first time on this podcast. Oh, oh fabulous. So we welcome just the opportunity. First you and then, um, then John, just a bit about yourself, your particular role and your background, if you can, and then John after Stephen. Sure. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, I head up the Australian and New Zealand fixed income team for First Centre Investors based out of Sydney. Uh, we manage a broad range of portfolios across both the Aussie and Kiwi markets. Um, I've been for my sins, uh, working in the fixed income side of asset management for a bit over 20 years. Uh, I've been heading this team for the last six or so. Um, I have overall responsibility for the broad risk profiles of the portfolios, the product designs, if you like, uh, and the way we go about it on a day-to-day basis. Right, and John? Thanks, Nigel. And Chris, I can sympathise with you. I've had recently both the flu and COVID, and I would say that the flu actually uh, took me down a little bit worse, so I feel for you on that one. Uh, thanks for the uh, introduction and having me. I'm one of the fixed income portfolios here at First Centier. I've been with the firm for seven years now, uh, and I've been looking after the ASB for portfolios for that entire time. Uh, I'm now pushing 26 years of investing in fixed income in different locations, uh, but my focus shifted to Aussie Kiwi markets since 2006 um, and loving fixed income. And just while we have you two in intro mode, can we let the listeners know a little bit more specifically on what you do for ASB in terms of, or, or for that matter, First Centia, what you guys do? Absolutely. Uh, our team has managed the New Zealand fixed income funds for ASB since 2011. 
Uh, these funds currently include three different types of products. We have a pos pa passive fund that invests in New Zealand government bonds. We have another passive fund that invests in highly rated uh, New Zealand corporate fixed income bonds like Auckland Council, ASB, and Fonterra, names like that. Uh, this portfolio has a similar interest rate risk to the New Zealand government fund, uh, but the income is slightly higher due to the fact that um, the issuers that we're investing in are rated just below what the government's rated. So you have a little bit of pickup uh, in that passive fund. Finally, we manage an active portfolio with similar investments to the passive uh, corporate fund, but we add our active insights versus the benchmark on this portfolio to help increase the return just that little bit further for that portfolio. That's really good to know. I know there's always, um, as listeners quite commonly ask sort of what the guests are specifically doing for you know, different parts of ASP's wealth management offering. So it's good to get that clarity. Now, just to start us off at kind of the macro high level view of, of what's been going on. I know CTB, we're going to go to you first, but a lot of customers, I guess, especially financial media, I mean, wondering what, why are things still so volatile through June, July? Surely, you know, coming to halfway through the year, things would have settled down. Why has it in your mind still been so volatile across June, July? Yeah, I think it's a really good question, Nigel, and markets uh, do move in their own time. But it seems like we're a long way uh, into the pandemic and, uh, and a long way into, into solutions for how we live with COVID. Um, so perhaps it seems uh, pretty understandable for investors to go, well, why are markets um, really, uh, really struggling at the moment? We saw this massive drop in share markets um, back at the start of the pandemic. They were down sort of a third or more. And it's been pretty good news on an economic front since then. And yet here we are um, two years later and, and share markets are, are really struggling. And I think the big thing that's happening now is what's happening with inflation and interest rates are really driving markets at the moment. Inflation's not uh, something we haven't worried about for Years and years and years. And um, in fact, our, our only worries about inflation over the past decades really has been that inflation's too low from a central bank's perspective. And now we're here, we've got very, very high uh, inflation rates, the highest in 30 or 40 years, not only in New Zealand, but actually all around the, uh, around the world at the moment. And we've got central banks rapidly responding to that, including... Um, this morning with the um, with the US um, Federal Reserve delivering another hefty uh, interest rate increase. So um, this is what's at the heart of what's going on. Uh, economies are recovering. They are opening up post uh, the pandemic. But inflation and interest rates to me are the big thing that's really driving volatility at the moment and, and why it's so good that we've, we've got a couple of experts to chat with about uh, rates. What a nice segue to our um, experts. And then, John and Stephen, yeah, just to build on that as such, specific to what you guys focus on, your know, fixed interest, fixed income, what have you been seeing? Is it the same as what CTB sort of talks to in the past couple of months in Aussie or, or as wide as you want to take it, Stephen? Okay, so, so CTB, I guess, you know, building on what Stephen was saying, what's happening right now then? I guess if you come to the end of July, you talked about the Fed this morning, you know, whether you've got anything else in terms of the RBNZ um, or other central banks, you know, uh, coupled with government policy and impact, what would you sort of say is you know the, the happening right now as of the twenty eighth of July? Yeah, thanks for that. Um, 
it's very much the same themes that CTP was was building on there um, in fixed income markets. You almost need to go back a little bit further and understand really what's happened over the whole cycle. Um, but over the course of this year in particular, what we have seen is inflation surprising on the high side around the globe everywhere. Um, initially, it was due to the amount of stimulus that was in the system post-COVID, uh, but then that's been contributed to by the situation in Ukraine, uh, oil, fuel supply shortages or, or price rises, uh, food shortages, supply chain disruptions, um, all of which has meant that inflation is not only higher, but seemingly a bit more persistent than it was given credit for a little while ago. What that means is that central banks are responding faster than anyone thought that they would, um, the central banks themselves included. Uh, and what we're seeing now is question marks over the, the impact of that on real economies. You know, real economies have actually performed very well over the last few years, but there are now question marks that if central banks continue hiking, what impact may that have on economic performance? You know, will we head into a recession next year? Uh, those sorts of questions. It seems the last couple of months we've really been at an inflection point uh, where markets are, are debating how much further do they need to price into markets. Now, markets always look ahead, uh, work off expectations rather than actual data flows. And I think we've hit a point now where even though inflation is continuing to, to trend slightly higher, interest rates, certainly cash rates are trending slightly higher. Uh, but the longer end of the interest rate curves are now starting to I guess, oscillate between the outlook for higher rates versus softer growth uh, over the next 12 months or so. Okay, so, so CTB, I guess, building on what Stephen was saying, what's happening right now then? I guess if you come to the end of July, you talked about the Fed this morning, uh, whether you've got anything else in terms of the RBNZ or other central banks, uh, coupled with government policy and impact, what would you sort of say is happening right now as of the 28th of July? I think there's a really interesting thing going on right now, and we can see it with, um, we talk about a, an inverted yield curve, and um, and John's chatted about this. Longer term rates, uh, if we look at like a 10-year government bond in New Zealand or, or in the US, they're fluctuating around a little bit, trying to work out, are central banks going to win this battle with inflation? And, and what's the right price for a long-term risk-free uh, investment? There's a lot of movement in that long end of the curve as we talk about, which is interesting for us economists um, because it tells us something about what people are thinking about inflation and central banks' ability to control it. What does this all mean for investors, though? I think the thing which is going on for investors, which is quite hard to understand, is the bonds are meant to be the part of the portfolio that provide a bit of a buffer when share markets are volatile. But the bond part of someone's investment, be it a KiwiSaver um, scheme or a portfolio, the bonds are volatile as well as they go up and down with these sorts of things. So um, we're not seeing fixed interest for investors carry out its normal um, stabilisation role within portfolios. And actually, I think it's the interest rate adjustments that are really driving not only bond valuations, but also equity market valuations. So there's an awful lot going on at, at the moment. And, and, and it just means that um, that, that investors' portfolios are um, are going up and down um, at, 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 with a reasonable amount of volatility at the moment. Uh, for me, I think um, 
I like trying to forecast what does this all mean for mortgage rates, term deposit rates, and long-run returns from a bond portfolio. And, and I'm hoping that what we're seeing right now is that some of the longer-term markets, and in particular the New Zealand um, longer-term market, are starting to stabilise around rates that are quite low on a historic basis. And this is really important for investors. Uh, if, if I don't think we're going back to a 70s and 80s inflation battle uh, where interest rates would, uh, would get much, much higher than they are today. Um, but that does require central banks to succeed in their uh, in their current sort of stitch in time saves nine approach, where they're raising monetary policy, as we mentioned earlier, much quicker than they expected, or and 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 we expected as investment analysts. Now you mentioned central banks, CTB, and I remember kind of early on in the pandemic, there was a lot of central banks sort of talking about a least regrets, you know, path and approach. Fast forward to today. We've got a lot of media now who are really being critical and commentators on central banks. Were they overstimulatory? Did they go too far? So we threw this question around yesterday, obviously, when we were catching up. But John, did central banks make a policy error in your view? I'll, uh, I'll probably lead in there with um, hindsight is a wonderful thing. Uh, and I know this has become very politicized, but I would certainly say that uh, over the last hundred years, many central banks across the globe have made many policy errors. So if it did occur, it certainly would not be the first time. When we look at the RBNZ, and, and to be honest, most central banks, they're usually mandated to you know, focus on a couple of things. You know, in New Zealand, it's to promote full employment uh, and maintain purchasing power in the future. The primary tool they historically have used is raising or lowering the base interest rate. Uh, when they do this, they make money cheaper and more expensive for people. But most importantly, they want the society to believe in it. If they are lowering interest rates, they want you to borrow money, expand your business, hire more people. So what they need to do is they need to fully commit to the direction that they're currently heading in. Um, so really, since the GFC, inflation has been very low. CTB has talked about it from a historical perspective. Uh, from 2015 to 2020, New Zealand never really saw an annual increase over 1.75%. So I do think it's important to understand where we were uh, historically. Central banks have been lowering interest rates to try to get unemployment down. So inflation could get up to that 2 to 3% band each year. Uh, and unfortunately, almost everywhere around the globe, they were failing to do this. Uh, and I think what happened is this was ingrained in their mindset uh, when COVID hit uh, and they thought that a global recession lasting years was a certain. Uh, so what they did is they pulled out all the tools. They tried to get the country's sentiment up about the future, a positive bias towards it. Um, but in the end, what happened is, as we've said, the, the economy held up really well. We all went out and got vaccinated. Uh, and then other factors like the Ukraine war and the COVID supply um, chain issues really started to complicate things. So, again, I think, you know, with what was ingrained of their failures over the past 10 years still in them, um, I think what they thought is that those issues may resolve themselves and inflation may be temporary. So we really need to give it a chance to genuinely come through. Uh, and in the end, that was obviously proven wrong uh, and across the globe. So obviously, this is not just a New Zealand specific case. 
this has incurred everywhere. Uh, and the bottom line is inflation is very high. So it's hard to point to a certain bit of data that said their path was obviously wrong at the time. Uh, so I trade carefully with an answer to that question, but hence hindsight. I agree. I I cast my mind back and, and always forced myself to read reports that we were writing back in the depth of the pandemic. And if you'd if you'd come out then and said, oh, the Reserve Bank or the Fed or whatever, oh, they're going a little bit too hard out here, you would have you would have been called an idiot. The idea was they had to turn the taps on really hard because we we're about to go into something that was um probably the worst global shock that we would have seen in our our lives at least. And and so yeah, that hindsight's a powerful tool, but uh, but it's pretty useless as well because all we can do is reflect on what we would have, should have, could have done. Um, but actually, at the time, we were pretty stressed out about the economic outlook and um, turning the taps on, both by lowering interest rates and 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 freeing up cash into the economy, and the governments around the world, be it here or or offshore, um, just spending and. Uh, supporting the economies which were which were just getting massively sh- shut down uh, it seems a, a, i think it was still the appropriate strategy but in hindsight um it worked even better than expected now the fed this morning hiked what was pretty well telegraphed 75 basis point hike markets were already pretty buoyant this morning in um the u.s session primarily so they kind of continued to rally a bit on a fairly positive day like ctb do you have any thoughts on What's next for the for the Fed and maybe just in terms of its influence over wider markets or equity markets for that matter? Yeah, I think there's all sorts of stuff to take out of a day like today. Firstly, this is why we don't get cute at all in saying that we can time uh, very short-term movements in markets. If you'd said to me a year ago, hey, what would share markets do if the Fed hiked by 75 basis points? I'd go, well, that sounds like a fairly challenging day. Or an equity market investor, but but here we are. Uh, share markets took that move in their stride because, like you say, it was well telegraphed. There's a view that the Fed's being very pragmatic about the outlook, um, that they're going to react to the data as it, as it comes in. So they're dancing that tricky dance of being very credible about fighting inflation, but also very sensitive to what's going on in the uh, in the economy. And, and how quickly it slows down as a result of their rate increases. And share markets will react as we see uh, today with gusto um, when when the developments are uh, unsurprising. I think if the Fed had hiked 100 basis points uh, today, you might have seen a negative reaction in the share markets because people were worried about that. But it, it sounded like a very pragmatic meeting and a very pragmatic bunch of announcements and markets uh, responded positively to that. Another thing that's going on in share markets at the moment, which is really helpful and what we should focus on, is we are in um, reporting season. And so people are judging companies by the results that they that they deliver. Um, and, and that's a positive development as, as, as well that we're actually focusing on real things that are going on in the economy rather than, um, you know, worrying about dot plots and things like that that people have worried about in the past from the Fed. So I actually think uh, 
to me, out of a day like today, I take I take two things. One is we've got um, central banks that are very serious about um, fighting inflation, but they're pragmatic and they're responding to data as it comes in. And the second thing is that equity markets never wait for all the clouds to clear, and you never know when you're going to get a um, a monster rally like today, which is why for long-term investors, you've just got to stay invested, even though it's uh, it's a bit of a volatile ride at times. Yeah, one thing I've noticed before we go to you, John, Stephen, for the fixed income sort of side, one thing I've noticed in this latest reporting season seems to be a lot of, you know, there's a lot of companies maybe reporting a slowing down, but a lot of them aren't selling off as they would have done sort of three, four months ago, which suggests that sort of a lot of negativity is already baked in. It feels like we're in the bottoming process. I say that with, um, you know, fingers crossed. John, Stephen, depending on who wants to sort of field the question, but, you know, what was your initial take this morning following the Fed decision and um, any impact you saw off the back of that? Uh, again, very similar to CTB, um, that uh, the Fed produced a, you know, a relatively balanced view of the world where people were wondering how they would manage to deliver what ultimately was a, an almost dovish 75 basis point hike, if you like. Um, and they they managed to uh, tread that fine line. Um, funnily enough, fixed income markets, generally speaking, uh, didn't react too much overnight. The, the, you know, the, the moves we saw were, were actually a lot less than we had seen sort of in a daily range from many days over the last month and a half. So it does appear as if markets were largely priced for this outcome, that 75 basis points was largely a given and a more moderate path or at least, you know, the fact that the vast bulk of the initial adjustment, at least, is behind us now, um, seems to be giving people a, a degree of comfort with with the forward outlook. And now, just to go into sort of a bit of a deep dive on investment fundamentals and sort of um, a little bit about why, what's the impact been on customers as such? I'm looking forward to learning a little bit here, chaps. But Stephen, maybe to you first here, like a lot of customers are asking us around the relationship between you know the equities and bonds, fundamentals to a portfolio, the balance, the sixty forty, the balanced portfolio. The fixed income side and bonds are supposed to, you know, they're not supposed to go down when equities are also. Why did they go the same way? Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly an interesting point in history and, and one that we haven't seen uh, for a very long time. The, the last time, if you look at the charts, was again back in that sort of late 70s, early 80s, high inflation, um, Volcker type years uh, environment. Um, I guess it's important to, to think about where we've come and, and what we've done. There is normally a negative relationship between equities and bonds, uh, and we firmly believe that that will reassert itself as the norm over time. It's just that we have seen a, an unusual one-off this time around where rather than equities getting hurt as cycles mature uh, and we head into a recession, and the response to that being a rate cut and bonds rallying, um, providing that that normal negative correlation. This time around, it's actually bonds that have been driving the picture, uh, interest rates driving the story, um, because of the sharp rise in inflation and the, I guess, the fading of the impact of the COVID cycle. We have seen interest rates rise and rise sharply. We're moving from an era where money was virtually free and all assets were priced to close to perfection to one where suddenly interest rates are rising, discount rates are rising, that has the direct impact on bonds as yields rise, bond prices fall. But funnily enough, it's also weighing on the, the forward path of the risk assets. So it's just unusual that it's, you know, that bonds are and interest rates are what's really driving this cycle. Now we're back at you know more reasonable yield levels, if you like. 
I have a good degree of comfort that, that the normal situation will reassert itself. If we were, heaven forbid, to plunge into a deep recession over the next year or two, you can bet your life that central banks will react by cutting rates, that bonds will rally mm. in that environment, and that negative correlation will reassert itself. CTB, anything further? Yeah, I, I think that there's a couple of um, there's a couple of things to focus on, and and one of them is quite positive. We've we've gone through this period, um, and the pandemic really hit the nail into the coffin, where bonds bond portfolios a lot of the um, the tailwind and and the performance was driven by falling interest rates, and it was harder and harder for um, for any conservative investor or or someone that's looking to try and make an income stream from fixed interest to get a decent return. But bond portfolios performed well as those longer-term bonds increased in value as interest rates fell. It's been a painful adjustment as interest rates get back towards more normal levels. But now you can go out there and buy a bond or a term deposit, which actually has a a decent um, handle on it, you know, 4.5% term deposit for five years and 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 that sort of thing. And and the running yield on portfolios will improve. So that's the um that's the good news story out of this all. But the painful bit has been the fact that bonds and shares have been falling in value over this year. And actually until this um second quarter sell-off in share markets, a lot of our conservative funds were actually d- performing worse than the growth funds. And and that's a weird thing for investors. Normally, we just have to look at share markets to see why things are performing poorly. It has been more complex over the past six months. Um, but I think the light at the end of the tunnel is that uh, yields are returning to more normal levels. And that's actually a better environment for us to try and generate income for investors out of fixed interest markets. Um, that's uh, that's my take on the on the situation. And Stephen or John, you know, with regards specifically to the fixed income side of things, is there any other sort of high level impacts on investors, particularly, you know, has it mattered which or what the investor was in within what you guys look after, you know, why or why not? Yeah, I mean, good question. We probably have to step back to to start to address it. The primary risk to investors in fixed income is the movement in interest rates. Uh, And to a lesser extent, in some of the funds, the credit exposures to the issuers of the bonds that we're buying. But certainly over the past 12 months, this has been mostly an interest rate story, plain and simple. Uh, As we all know, interest rates across the globe have moved significantly higher to fight inflation. So for the most part, it didn't matter if you owned a New Zealand government bond or if you owned one from ASB, ASB Bank. Uh, unfortunately, it has been a difficult 12 months for all the products. Yeah, and I, and I think adding to that point, um, Stephen, one of the things that New Zealanders are fearful of is um, in the global financial crisis, our version of it was a, a bunch of debentures and um, and quite high-risk uh, fixed interest investments defaulting. And it's really important to know that right now, this is actually an interest rate adjustment. It's not a credit event that's occurring within our portfolio. So when folks see their um, fixed interest part of their investment down by um, you know, several percent, um, it's not because a bond's defaulted and we've, and we've lost a lot of value. It's just that mark-to-market issue with the interest rate adjustment. And uh, people have been a little bit nervous about that, given the experience that we had in the, uh, in the global financial crisis with, with defaults here. One thing I really love about uh, Quick Catch-Up, yesterday when we first got together, you know, um, 
John, you brought up a really good point, you know, around stepping back and seeing what bonds have done over the past few years, not months. We get so caught up in kind of the, you know, the day session or trading session, let alone, you know, a few weeks, months. You know, do you want to paint a picture for investors or more of a reminder almost why it's important to view not just equity performance, but bond performance through a longer lens than like even just the last eight months or so? Yeah, I mean, as is always the case, it is the present that you remember most. So uh, I appreciate when I have these conversations, it, it does not make the client feel better if they've lost six or seven percent uh, over the past year on a fixed income portfolio. Uh, but for all fixed income funds, we try to look at returns on a three to five year time frame. Uh, if we went back to uh, when I started uh, and looking after the ASB funds in 2015, Interest rates in New Zealand were two and a half to three percent. So if I went to any of your clients and said your annual return over the next five years was going to be end up being five percent, I'm pretty sure that most of them would have been pretty happy with that. So again, you know, we do need to look at it on a longer time frame, a cycle time frame, uh, and say, did that make sense and was that a good outcome? This doesn't happen very often with fixed income managers, and, and Stevens talked to a little bit about it. But um, you know, we are we're actually really excited about the opportunities uh, in fixed income offer right now, and and we've talked about it a little bit in the podcast that where we were and where we are now. You know, at the end of 2020, uh, interest rates were near zero, uh, and some of our portfolios had an expected return of 0.75 percent. So again, looking at where we were, and again, I appreciate uh, that this was a very difficult 12 months for a lot of investors. But you know, if you're coming into fixed income now, you're looking at average yields around 475. Uh, and as Chris has talked about it, at the moment, the companies and the economy continue to be in good shape. So there's no real risk from some of those GFC style concerns that we were looking back at 2010. Uh, so we would expect the performance of fixed income in the near future to be much more positive, fortunately. Nice segue into you know, looking forward as we sort of wrap up here in this conversation. But, you know, the outlook. CDB, do you want to start out with from your viewpoint? What does the future hold? The path for rates, whether it's whatever rate you want to pick up and run with? Yeah, I, I think the, the comments here just remind me of why we focus so much on timeframes. There's no doubt this has been a, um, a really unrewarding period for all investors. And even someone that had, had decided, right, I'm not going to invest at all. I'm going to sit on the sidelines in, in cash. Well, inflation, when it's running at 7%, is actually eating at their purchasing power as well. So um, there's, there's nowhere to hide in a tough environment like we've had. But I think now that we're actually starting to see decent yields on bonds that are getting issued and really pragmatic central banks about fighting inflation, which is ultimately a really nasty enemy for all investors, I think those are quite good developments. But... We have to just keep focusing on the time frames that we manage these investments for. Um, we're not going to chop and change on a day-by-day -day basis. We are going to have to put up with tough years like this one. But if you're focused on the five-year, 10-year time horizon, um, then I think there's some real value to be added. And and the fixed interest part of, of investors' portfolios, I hope will be a lot more rewarding uh, in the next few years now that we're getting decent yields compared to two years ago, like you're saying, when the uh, when the outlook, well, we had a five-year government bond that had a negative yield, um, which makes it very hard for an investor to um, to make any money, right? So um, 
I think it's a much better environment that we're looking at over the next 10 years than what we were worried about even a year ago. The markets seem to me like they've done a lot of the heavy lifting now to provide a better environment going forward for returns as such. John, I, I remember you saying yesterday something that I noted down, and it goes back to what you were saying just before, but you know, while we acknowledge that it's been a very, very tough period, yields are up. It is something to be positive about, isn't it? Absolutely. And again, you know, CTB's talked about it. It appears that this significant move higher in rates is starting to level out. Um, you know, as Stephen said, you're starting to shift more between fighting inflation and worried about recession. So again, we're not saying that volatility is done. We're not saying that rates may not go a little bit higher, but you, you do get the good sentiment in this cycle um, that it's approaching its its end. So where does that leave us? You know, again, when we look at things that give you a little extra yields um, in some of our corporate portfolios, the credit quality of the names we invest in is very strong. Um, you know, so they're delivering a nice pickup in return to New Zealand bonds. Uh, again, and then there's no broad concern of any GFC style uh, risks coming into the market for those types of names. With most of New Zealand rates, you know, already priced, you know, around that three and a half, four percent. Um, what you have to remember is bonds now have room to become that great diversifier for equities again. You know, in 2020, when rates were zero and going negative and there was conversations around, you know, what's the benefit of taking it to negative one percent, et cetera. You know, it seems like at any stage bonds could continue to rally. Uh, but at zero, you, you found it difficult to understand that the, the scope of what could do. Well, now back here at three and four percent. Um, you know, bonds can become that great equity diversifier. If we do enter a recession and equity markets fall, you know, global central banks will start reducing rates to stimulate the economy like they always do. Uh, and this means that the price for bonds will rise and they'll finally deliver an outside positive return uh, to help offset that loss in equities, which we feel comfortable is again returning to the normal negative correlation uh, of equities and bonds. Now, you know, if if you're retired or, or near to it, uh, I'm pretty sure everyone is happy that you can now get an interest rate of 475 again, instead of trying to understand how you could put your money in the bank and return a negative interest rate where you actually owe someone money for holding your cash. So I definitely think, again, we don't like to get too excited as bond guys, but Right now, at the current moment, uh, it's a pretty good time to be investing in fixed income. It's pretty heartening. It's now see to be to our final go-to moment of the podcast. Like what sage wisdom or um, advice? Well, not advice, um, but guidance. Would you leave kind of the listeners with in terms of? you know, things to hold on to going forward in what has been a pretty tumultuous year? Oh, yeah, I'm happy to call it guidance or advice. Um, I think people just have to focus on their own timeframes and really think about inflation. Um, it's, it's something we haven't had to worry about for a long time. You know, for 30, 30 years or more, interest rates have fallen, inflation's fallen, and, uh, and share markets and, and, and other uh, assets have gone up in, in value. And we are at a bit of an inflection point now with uh, inflation's obviously back in, in some sense, hopefully not too permanent. Um, and interest rates can't fall any further. I think we've, we've seen the bottom. And, um, and so it is, a, it is a slightly different environment to invest in. Uh, but but one that we think about all the time, 
we talk about in this podcast, but as an investment manager, we think about it too. So the bottom line for investors is that they just have to focus on their timeframes that they're investing and their and their goals. Because uh, in the short term, things are going to be volatile. Um, but in the long term, um, I think we're uh, we're well positioned, and and there's some encouraging developments that are taking place. And and we've talked about the fixed interest developments uh, on this podcast. So, uh, yeah, that's my that's those are my comments is to really focus on your timeframes. And 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 if you're not sure, then get some advice. Well, thank you guys. I I know that I always learn a lot when I'm talking about um, there's always a lot to learn about fixed income. So I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, today and learned a lot. I think to go back to CTB's points, if you are an advised customer, there is nothing stopping you from checking in and getting that guidance and advice during times like this. This is um, what an advisor should do for you. So talk to a trusted advisor. If our KiwiSaver customers, you can talk to a KiwiSaver specialist. If you're over 65 now, you can get guidance and advice uh, through our team as well. Um, But I hope you've enjoyed the conversation today. And we'll see you next time on the ASB Investment Podcast. Thanks for listening to the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on a future show, get in touch at podcasts at asb.co.nz.